0: What controls your mind? Think about that with us next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Set aside the next half hour and join us for what we hope is a profitable time in the Word here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is partway through a series in Romans, and we left off in chapter 8 at verse 5. How's your thought life these days? Is it drifting into areas you're rather ashamed of? Today, we'll pause to consider what controls our minds, and we'll learn that if we live according to the flesh, well, our mind will follow. Here's Pastor Ed to take it from there. Chapter
1: 8 is so refreshing, isn't it? In Christ. No condemnation in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. Chapter 7, oh, there's struggle and there's wrestling. It's the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. But Romans chapter 8, there's freedom. There's power. There's strength in the Holy Spirit. And as our minds dwell on these truths, we're so encouraged. We love to hang out in this area. We love to sing of these truths. We love to enjoy a life that's spiritually minded, a spiritually minded life. Up to this point in Romans, the Holy Spirit's mentioned really only once through the first seven chapters. But you come to chapter 8, and at least 20 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. When you read on through chapter 8, 20 times the Holy Spirit and his strength and his power overwhelming us, indwelling us, because you and I cannot live the Christian life in the power of our own flesh, our own ideas, our own schemes, our own methods, our own habits. It's not going to work. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I ask you to open there, Paul comes to that place where he realizes, he recognizes, he says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. He's not talking about physical crucifixion with his hands outstretched. He's talking spiritually. That spiritual truth in Paul's life, the Saul of Tarsus died. And in Jesus Christ, Paul the Apostle is raised up. There is a point in time in his life where Saul is in the past. Paul is in the present. I live for Jesus Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. The same is true for you and me. There is a point in time when you were born again, that event, that time, that immediacy, you were justified by faith. The old you died. You've become dead to the world. You've become dead to sin, although it does raise its ugly head now and then. But you too can say, I've been crucified with Christ. Notice, it's no longer I who live, but that's our problem. Too often it is I who live. Too often it is my strength. I can figure it out. I can handle this. And we've got to come to the place, church, where it's no longer I who live. I get my orders, I get my direction, I get my strength, I get my help from Jesus in dwelling my life through his spirit that he promised. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. He lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, my human life, I live by faith, not by fear, not by anxiety, Not by knowledge, I live by faith. I believe by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Christianity is not a group of schemes or methods. It's not a methodology. Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a person, Jesus Christ. That by faith in him, your life will be radically changed. You will live for him, he will live in you. Now this is especially hard for those of you that like to plan things out, that like to figure things out. Maybe you're the one that says, I've got a five-year plan. I got it. I know what's going to happen. You know how you go into an interview, and, and that's one of the questions, right? You've got a plan for that question when you're going for a job interview. Where do you see yourself five years from now? And don't you want to say, I see myself making $250,000 with your job. <laughs> You'd never say that. You're like, get out of here, buddy. So I don't know, you know, and you're so afraid to say, I don't know where I see myself in five years. I don't know what God's going to do. I have no idea if I'm going to be here or be there. And, of course, you don't want to tell a prospective employer that because they want you there forever. And yet, for the Christian's life, there is a sense where when you ask me that question, where do you see yourself in five years, I have no idea. I pray that I'm in Christ, serving him wholeheartedly, farther and with more zeal and intensity than I've ever had before. But I don't know. And for those of you that like schemes and plans and methods... You know, when you got born again, one of your first questions was, well, teach me the language. Because I know you Christians have your own language. I've even heard it's called Christianese, which, where's the dictionary, you know? Hallelujah, I got that one. You know, praise the Lord, got that one. Sinner, I don't like that one, you know. That's a part of Christianese, you know. Sin, the world doesn't like to talk about sin, but in the church we must. The Bible says that sin will destroy your life. And those of you that would say, just tell me, tell me what I need to do. I want to figure this thing out. I wanna get it all, I wanna understand everything, I wanna know every difficult doctrine, I wanna understand every single cult that's out there, I'm gonna figure this Christian thing out. For you, this is very difficult to say, I'm gonna be led by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure what tomorrow will bring or what next week will bring, but I know that God will lead me, God will guide me, God will strengthen me. Now, does the Bible condemn making plans? Certainly not. What the Bible condemns in making plans is that your plans supersede the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where your plans become everything and God becomes nothing, that's sinful. But planning ahead, Jesus, remember? Jesus in his life, knowing full well that the cross was up ahead, he knew, and he prepared his disciples for that event. And so it's not sinful to plan, but it certainly is wrong to plan in such a way where you plan the Holy Spirit out of your life. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. You and me, we need God's power. And his leading in our lives. Let me read to you in Proverbs chapter 3. My, one of my favorite verses. No, let's turn over there. Since we weren't in the Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's turn over there. We weren't in the Psalms today either. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. I love these verses. Mark these verses. Memorize them. We are told to trust in the Lord with how much of our heart? all you know what that word means in the hebrew right all trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding let me tell you guys it's very easy to lean on your own understanding it's very easy to come to a situation and say oh i've been here before but you know the answer is you haven't been there before what you were before is in the past this is a new scenario it's a new situation. It's a new day. It's a new opportunity. And so we've got to be very, very careful for us, especially as Christians living with Jesus Christ over the years. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home. You, you did all your Sunday school lessons and you've read the Bible through a couple times and you've gone through Bible studies. You still need to be led by the Holy Spirit, not trusting in our own understanding, not leaning on it. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and what will He do? Direct your paths. Let's read that together in verse 5. You ready? Really loud, first service, very, very loud. You ready? Trust in the Lord and lean not in all, and He shall direct your paths. So true. You can count on it, guys. Leaning not on our own understanding. The Spirit of God works wonderfully in and through us. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says, there is freedom. There is liberty. Remember, Jesus made it very, very clear. Would you turn over with me to Mark chapter 7? Jesus made it very, very clear that our problem is internal, not external. Our problem is inside. It's an inside issue with us. With man, it's not external. It's not changing an environment. And let's change this, and let's turn this, and let's make sure everything around this person is such where they'll lead them in the right, but there's a problem inwardly. It's us. Paul has said that as well. The issues inside, Jesus said, it, said so himself. Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For what from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness. This all comes from within. How about this one? An evil eye. You ever had somebody give you an evil eye? You're like, what's up with that? It's their heart. It's in their heart. It's in your heart. You're giving people evil eyes, you know, shooting things with your eyes. Like if you could have a laser and you're just like, you know what it's like. You know, everyone has their own evil eye, but it's from your heart. Blasphemy, pride, pride is seated in your heart, guys. It's not in your mind. It's deeply seated within. It might have started in your mind. You might have thought through some things, but because you made decisions that weren't honoring of God... Pride started settling in your heart. Pride's horrible, I hate it. It comes up in so many different ways in my life. Foolishness comes from the heart. Verse 23, and all these evil things come from within and they defile a man. It's an inside job. Simply changing an environment, improving an economic situation, as good as they may be, will not solve man's basic problem. Will not solve the issues of the heart. A person needs to be born again. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you are here and you have sensed a distance from God and some of these things that we read are happening in your life, you go, well, that, that sounds like my life at work. I know I'm in here on Sundays, but then as I go back into work, all these things are cropping up. I don't understand what's going on. It could be that you're not saved. It could be that you've never been born again. It could be that you can't stand here and say, I've been crucified with Christ, because you haven't been crucified with Christ. And then you say, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. And some of these things come out. Well, Romans chapter 8 is for you. We pick up in verse 5, for those, Romans chapter 8, for those that live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. And that's true. Where you set your mind, if you live according to the flesh, your mind is going to follow If you live according to the flesh, your mind will follow. Remember, living according to the flesh isn't just out throwing yourself into the world. Like, like sometimes we would define living in the flesh or I'm getting drunk and I'm, I'm out there getting drunk and I'm out there in, in crazy sexual sin or I'm out there and I'm just a crazy, I'm living like an unbeliever. Certainly that can be in the flesh, but that's not the only thing. See, we can live for the flesh. We can live for the fleshly desires. We can live for the fleshly things of this world. That's certainly part of it. But remember, we also learn that walking in the flesh can also mean being empowered by our own wisdom and our own knowledge. We're doing things in our own strength. We're not just living for the flesh. We are living in the flesh, being motivated by our flesh. The flesh being defined as our old sinful habit patterns. The flesh we can define as our own wisdom and our own understanding apart from the leading of God. And he says here, those that live according to the flesh, that's where their minds are. Though, those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. See, by this time in Romans... Those that are listening to the letter, kind of reading it straight through, you might come to the conclusion, well, I guess I can live in the flesh. If there's no condemnation, and I'm free in Jesus Christ, then I guess it's okay to live in the flesh. And Paul puts the brakes on that, and he says, no, it's not. Because those that live in the flesh, they set their minds on the flesh. But those that live in the Spirit, well, the things of the Spirit. And there is that tendency, I think, that, well, since I'm free from the rules and regulations, since I'm free from religion, then I can write my own religious book. And I can do my own thing. And, and as a matter of fact, not, not only can I write up my own religion, but I can do and just give in to my carnal tendencies. Just do whatever I want. Jump into fleshly activities. I'm saved after all. And I know if I can go there on Sunday or on the weekend, I can repent. I can feel real good about myself. I can have a great Sunday, go back into the world Monday through Saturday, live for the world, come back on Sunday. And I can ask for forgiveness. And listen, that's a horrible way to live. It's a horrible way to live. You live under condemnation Monday through Saturday, and then you're free on Sunday. And then that builds in you a tendency to then just do your own thing and destroy your life one day at a time. I mean, some of you might be here and you go, well, I prayed a prayer in that chair, Ed, when you asked. I walked to the altar and I prayed and asked God to forgive me of my sins. I mean, I have done what you asked me to do. I'm okay with God, right? Listen, that prayer, of pray genuinely from your heart, will lead to a change of your life. You won't leave this place and go out and live the way you were. You will be truly born again. You will be a new creation in Christ. Old things will be passed away. There'll be a sense in your life now where you're not setting your mind on fleshly things. You're setting your mind on spiritual things. Let me show you the difference. Verse six, to be carnally minded is what? Death, every single time. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's life and peace, walking in the Spirit, living for the things of God, but there's death in the fleshly realm. Jesus has freed us from the flesh life, the things of this world, the material, the physical, and has lifted you and me to a higher way of living. The physical, the material, the flesh seems to have a constant tug downward in your life. Have you noticed? There is a strong tendency to live for the things of this world. The world is designed to keep you anchored here thinking about this world worried about this world full of anxiety about this world i'll give you a great example of that money money will always keep your eyes on this world always sometimes the issue with money is i don't have enough sometimes the issue is i have more than i've ever had before money jesus said that with unrighteous mammon that we use it for the kingdom of god that's how you get released that you realize it's not your money, it's not my money. If I have a little, that's God's will. If I have a lot, that's God's will. I'm going to use what God has given me for his glory. But I'll tell you what, every single time money's brought up, it brings you right back to the world unless you release it into the hands of the Lord. You see, in, in heaven, in the heavenly realm, there is no money. Did you know that? No more money. No more currency. The things that we value on earth are not valued in heaven. You know what's valued in heaven? Jesus and may he be valued in our life here now. Oh, I've gotta have the gold. I want the gold, give me the gold. There's even groups that say, you know, the flesh, the world is so heavy duty. We're just gonna go up into the mountains. We're gonna have our own little Christian community. We're gonna get as many guns and gold as we can and we're gonna live it out. But you know what? God would have you to use that gold for the kingdom of heaven, not to hoard it. There's no currency in heaven and there's this tug on the world there's this tug from the world. It says, live here. Put your tent stakes down here. Live for the world. Live for the things of the world. It's always tugging on us and pulling on us, taking us away from the things of God. So what does living carnally mean? Let me show you. Flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus gave us an example of the carnal mind. He said that the Gentiles or the unbelievers live this way. And it's a very simple definition. You might be surprised what carnally minded really can be in our lives. It's much more than just living in rank rebellious sin. I mean, there's a subtlety about the carnal mind. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Draw your attention to verse 31. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? So circle three words with me, would you? Eat, drink, wear. (laughs) For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I think we can add another one. Where shall we go? How shall we be entertained? How will we fill our time? The carnal mind is always thinking about what shall we eat? For service, what shall we eat? You skip breakfast. <laughs> you're like, we got to get there, honey. No breakfast for you. Okay, we'll eat after service, right? Yeah, they'll probably have some of those burritos downstairs. We'll have some burritos. And you guys weren't hungry and weren't thinking about food until I mentioned it. And you're like, thanks, Dad, appreciate it. I was with you okay until you started talking about what we're going to eat, and I didn't eat breakfast. And now that's all I'm going to think about. I wonder what kind of burritos they have. And in your mind right now, there's a burrito moving around. Woo. But there's a lot of hubbub when the next restaurant opens up, isn't there? Or there's a new menu item. Or what do we want to eat? And it's such a need in our bodies, God has designed us to eat. Jesus himself says there's a need. Your Father knows that you need. He knows what you're supposed to wear. He knows you need something to cover your body. He knows that there is a need in your life for clothes. But we take it farther, don't we? What's the newest fad? What's the newest fashion? I got to keep up, especially young people really in, interested in keeping up and not looking out of place and, and the enemy just uses to distract you and take you away. I got to have these shoes and I got to have this jacket. No, no, we don't. But the things of this world can, well, they can take us all down. Where shall we go? Thinking about vacations. It's that time of year, planning them out. Hey, I love getting away myself. I know what it's like. I can easily set my mind on those things. I can easily be the one thing I'm thinking about. It can be easily the one thing. I should be working, but I'm surfing the net, right? You're surfing the net. I'm going to go see. I'm going to get a little picture of what it's going to be like. Well, I'm just going to close the door and just kind of think about the ocean. You should be working. But you're setting your minds on those things. You're actually taken away from your employer, not being faithful. Because you set your minds. It's a carnal mind. Things of this earth. Next to the word, back in Romans chapter 8... I want you to mark this because when it says set your mind on, you can circle that and right next to it, think on or focus on. To think on something or to focus on it. It will always involve the will, the affections, our conscience. When we set our mind on something, when we focus on it, when we're only all consumed with it, when that's all we're thinking about, then then we are finding ourselves consumed by it. Back in California, when we were newly married, we moved into this small little apartment. We lived in an apartment building on a block of apartment buildings. There were apartment buildings all over the place. Most of our block was all apartment buildings except for a church. And next to our apartment building, there was a parking lot that the church used. But most of the time, it was empty. And so that's where we parked our extra cars. We had one little place in the carport, and we had an extra car. So we'd park it right there in the parking lot next to us. And other people from the other apartment buildings would park their cars there, too. And there was this guy across the street. He owned a yellow truck. And it wasn't just one of those little Toyota trucks. It was a huge monster truck. I mean, monster, I can't describe it any other way than it was about that high, way up here. And every day that he wasn't at work, you know where he was? With his yellow truck. He was polishing it. He was cleaning it. He was taking the parts out and laying them out on the parking lot. He used four spaces to park his precious little truck in that parking lot. He even had a t-shirt made. You know what was on it? His yellow truck. He loved that truck. I could say that he set his mind on that truck. So I'm a new believer. I had just gotten saved. I didn't have this big yellow monster truck. You know what I had? This little silver Hyundai Little five-speed carburetor Hyundai, zero to 50 in three days, man. (laughs) And I didn't wash it and I didn't polish it. In my mind, that thing got me from point A to B and that's all I cared about. And so I was a new believer. I'd gotten rid of all these music and I found some music I liked that would just enc- I was encouraging the Lord. I would do my devotions in the car because it would take forever for the thing to warm up. So I'd turn it on, put a tape in the tape deck, click that thing on, worship the Lord, do my devotions in the car, cry out to the Lord. It was a great morning. I, l- I remember it like it was yesterday. It was so cool. I was ready to go to work. I knew I had a heavy day ahead of me and I just wanted to worship the Lord. And so in the midst of all that, the car's warmed up. It's time for me to go. I popped that five speed into reverse, probably grind the crutch while i doing it, go into reverse, pull back, and I hear a crunch. And I'm like, oh man. And when I turned around, because I didn't look back, when I turned around, guess what I hit? The yellow truck. I just didn't touch the yellow truck. I got the front and the door and the back of that yellow truck. My little Hyundai had a little dent in the back, but his truck was jacked up all the way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. And he, well, let's just say he loved his truck. <laughs> so bummed out. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I was, I was just worshiping God. And and I I mean, I was just like so apologetic and he was so mad. I can't believe it, but I'll never forget that morning. I learned what it was like for someone to set their mind on something earthly. That truck was more important than me to him. It was more important than my little Hyundai. It was more important than him getting to work on time. Only thing on his mind is how's this truck going to get fixed? All that was on his mind was, how could you do that to my truck?
0: You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora and download that today. We've been blessed in recent months by the large volume of people who have called or written to let us know that they listen and how God is doing a great work through the teaching of His Word. We're so thankful to God for this. And if you'd like to share your story, please email us through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. We really do want to hear from you. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can help you become a man or woman that God uses. It was written by the late pastor Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck observed 14 characteristics found in many of the people God used in the past that we read about in the scriptures. The cool thing is, if these characteristics are found in you, well, you'll become a person God uses too. Request a copy of The Man God Uses when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get the word out on stations like this one. As you partner with us, it's thrilling to see how God uses it to bless and encourage so many lives through the radio. Another convenient way to make a donation is online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Romans and join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor as there's so much more to come. This is amazing grace.